There's no music if you have no body to play it with, so take care of your body first. You getting into the gym and you lifting weights and working on muscles, is it's physical therapy for the benefit of your playing. The truth is nothing works like just taking care of the simple stuff. Diet, exercise and sleep. Take care of that and you'll be fine. Join us as two musicians and fitness coaches discuss strength, wellness and fitness in relation to musicians, artists and performance. Welcome to this episode of the Tuned In Strong podcast. I am Angela McHouston of Music Strong. Joined and by I my co-host. Dr. Jen Cabis of Tuned In Tone Performance. Sorry, I tried to jump in like, all right, I'm going to get it this time. No, never get it. Like, it's no. fine. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a system here. It's okay. <laughs> and today we're joined by our, our, uh, our, our friend Christine here, who is living in Sweden. Hi, Christine. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Welcome, welcome. welcome. <laughs> so would you like to tell us, Christine, a little bit about yourself? So our, our I almost said our readers, no, nobody's reading this, our, <laughs> our, our listeners, um, but that give us, give us a background. I'm going to quit talking. Okay. Okay. So my name is Christine Clancy and I run Effortless Musician. I'm from Massachusetts and I live in Sweden and I'm a flutist and I also have, I before I sort of went off on the music track, I actually got my bachelor's in neuroscience because I couldn't make up my mind. And it all sounded, it felt like it was a bit random and, and strange, but now that I am where I am, it's like, I could not have planned that better, actually. Mm -hmm. That's pretty neat. And so what I do, so I've studied uh, music in the UK, in Sweden, in Denmark. I'm living in Sweden and I, I like to say I'm like a whole musician performance coach that kind of wraps it up nicely. Uh, I'm all about optimizing performance. I also help people who are dealing with pain, but I got into this because I luckily didn't have pain, but I really was looking to optimize my performance and I kind of wasn't finding the tools that I mm -hmm. needed. And I certainly wasn't finding them by myself in the practice room hour after hour, after hour, after hour, after hour, after hour. After hour. Uh, and so now I have this whole big bag of tricks that I use to help people. And it's everything from performance psychology to yoga for musicians and this Timani method, which I know you've talked about with Hannah and Corpse and Art. And I teach that also at the Musicians Health and Movement Institute in Oslo. All right. Hey, <laughs> that's a very good that's a start, a starting point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's let's unpack because we did talk about Tamani a little bit or more than a little semi little bit with with uh, Hillary over there. But maybe we'll start with unpacking that. Is that the majority of what you do or is it really kind of just depends on the person? It depends on the person. Some people mm -hmm. will come asking for kind of pure Tamani lessons and then mm -hmm. some people aren't so interested in maybe the anatomy and how things work. And so they'd rather just do a yoga class that's gonna kind of make their body work in a good way. And then some people are more just coming like, I have performance anxiety, help me prepare for this audition or whatever. <laughs> but so Tamani is this, it's a movement system and it's kind of, 
it's hard to define because it's constantly evolving, really. It's created by mm -hmm. this Norwegian pianist named Tina Nielsen. And I love it because she, I mean, she's a musician from the beginning. And I don't know, maybe you guys would know better than me because I just sort of fell into this one method that really worked for me on the first try. I didn't have to kind of shop around, but it's actually a method created for a musician, for musicians by a musician. Getting real, it's the end of the day over here. So. <laughs> it's the beginning of the day over here. Well, yeah, yeah, we're crossing international time zones today. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyway, cool. and so it's, I mean, she's taken like a personal training education for two years at the Norwegian Sports Academy. She's done 500 hour yoga teacher training. She's done this thing called kinetic control. Uh, I think it's based in the UK and it's not musician specific, but it's, she said it's really great. Um, I mean, she's done so many different things. She has this goal to kind of learn something new every year. And she's constantly reading the new research and like putting in new things and taking out things that are no longer relevant. And it's always applied to the music. That's the thing that's, I think, special about it is that it's, it's musically informed movement for musicians. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just about like right or wrong, like this posture is better or that, but it's like, oh, what sound does that give me? Is that the sound that I want to make for this, you know, or like, do I get, how do I get this bounciness in my fingers that I want for that particular pass, like all of these kind of things together, or like, how do I, now I'm playing in a big hall and how do I get the projection out there? Like it's always applied to the music. So yeah. that's what it is. Does that help? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, I know that's, that's a lot of what we need in this, this kind of cross application stuff is certainly what Angela and I strive for. <laughs> okay. Fitness for musicians by musicians, I think is extremely important mm -hmm. because yeah. mm -hmm. there's nobody who understands us better. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you get into health professionals and they just, most of the time they just don't get it. Yeah. Right. I mean, they don't understand the long hours. They don't understand the 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 touring the stress on your body of hauling your equipment driving to the gig playing the gig the rehearsal mm -hmm. the practice the etc 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 and on mm -hmm. top of that the stress and the performance anxiety and the type a and the perfectionism and etc 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 they just don't get it and they're like oh, can you just switch instruments yeah shut up <laughs> why did you switch to dentistry yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> i can't play another instrument and why don't you quit being a doctor if it bothers you that's just, yeah. it's just you know so and that's the interesting thing also because what we what we have to do is at such a high level it's mm -hmm. not just about like getting it to work and especially because my issue was with breathing actually mm -hmm. like I struggled a lot with my breathing and you know making the right sound and everything and I could never I had this period of a few years where I could never get to the top of my breath which is like mm -hmm. you know I was alive and fine and I went to a physiotherapist and he, I even brought my flute and, you know, he said there was nothing wrong with me. He couldn't see anything wrong with me, but I could feel that there was something wrong. And the thing is, yeah, I can get air in, but I'm never going to make a beautiful sound when I have these certain limitations on my body. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, you know, I was like practicing, 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 and I could make a good sound, but not a gorgeous sound, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and then yeah. I got really lucky that I met a Tamani teacher and, you know, had a lesson. And then suddenly after a few exercises, like, boom, that gorgeous sound is actually coming out of me. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start to go like, wait, it wasn't just that I need to practice for five more years. No. So this Hannah. is what I love. It's like taking off these extra layers Yes. that you don't mm -hmm. need. 
Mm-hmm. And that's how I do like, that's this, I mean, everybody wants effortlessness in their playing, you know, and my yeah. company is effortless musician, but it's like the minimum possible effort for the maximum result. Yes. And learning yep. to use your body, you know, and that's what most, I mean, well, I, it's hard for me to say, cause I haven't talked to most physiotherapists, but it seems like, you know, they want you to not be in pain and they want it to be able to work, but we need to function at such a high level. Mm-hmm. for every tiny detail to come out like you want it you know you have all of your musical intentions up here and you want them to just come out and your body should just be able to follow but there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in the way that we have to yeah. take away yes yeah. yes and i i absolutely love that approach um absolutely love that approach it's like <laughs> when i'm <laughs> teaching so clarinet that's one of the one of the major things like okay but I need you to try to just, you know, like all that imagery to let, let your fingers go like you're gripping and it's slowing you down because you think that you need to put more effort in to go faster. And like, you don't, no, 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 no. Just woo saw, trust your fingers. It's okay. They'll move. I promise. <laughs> this and is something I find so interesting is like this trust gap because uh-huh. we're so educated and we've studied so much. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've mm-hmm. def- figure everything out Mm -hmm. but actually like and this is what I find amazing your brain works by like you learn something very consciously kind of when you learn it at first it's very much present here but once you've learned it and it's become automated once it becomes an automated program it's run by another part of your brain that you don't have conscious access to yep and so when (laughs) you're trying to consciously do everything it's like walking while stepping on your feet yep like it doesn't yep. work. Yeah. <laughs> and, then we have to, and then you have to trust, like you do all of this conscious work, you put in all of this effort to learn and everything. And then you have to just like jump off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had an instructor who used to say, it was very, very, very careful to be like, look, hold the rails. Okay, hold the rails. <laughs> and only go a couple steps because I can be at the bottom, but it was okay. If you want to know what I'm talking about, when I say, trust your fingers and you just have to, and exactly what you're talking about with that moving to the different part of the brain, it's like, next time you're walking downstairs, think about what you're doing and try to control it. <laughs> you just not going to try, you know, like maybe if you're going to take that advice, first off, I don't recommend the second, I'll be very careful the bottom of the stairs like <laughs> hold on to the rails but yeah. you're gonna fall because it's a controlled fall and it's all of that like back of the brain you know automated stuff you have to think about it when you're a little kid which is why the little kids hold the rail and go one step at a time because they will you know <laughs> but it's that same sort of thing <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know we're we're doing the same thing and the more you think about it the more you're gonna fall <laughs> Have you read uh, Timothy Galloway's book, The Inner Game of Tennis? I'm sure we all have. I keep meaning to. On my night. Oh! I haven't opened it yet. <laughs> okay, so maybe because I played tennis in high school, I was like, oh, I want to read this. Well, my music teacher gave it to me. And then he also wrote, you know, the, the Inner Game of Music, which I heard wasn't as good. I don't know. I haven't read it. But it makes perfect sense. It, it made perfect sense to me because it's like, you have self one and self two is basically another way of saying what you're saying. You have the, the self one that's, you know, that voice 
in your head that's constantly saying you're going to screw up here don't screw up here. you're such a failure why don't you always mess this up and then it, you know it makes it it's like self-fulfilling right and then self too is that subconscious that that part of you where you have learned all this stuff and when if you get self one out of the way self two will just do and you have to trust right so yeah. I, I know exactly what you're saying when um uh you're talking about getting a the trust gap right yeah. What I do with my students to get them out of their own way is have them stand on one foot and play whatever they do. Because yeah. your brain is like, I can't fall over. I can't fall over. Self one doesn't have the time to be like, you're going to screw up. So right. it, it almost every time it works, almost every, like 98% of the time they're standing on one foot. And I'm like, no, 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 stick that foot way out here. Not just like a little bit, like one foot go. And they play it almost perfectly every time. Or, mm-hmm. or I tell them, why don't you play it wrong on purpose? They can't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. You cannot mm-hmm. screw up on purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. Their brain just goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. so but that's the really interesting thing because like when you're learning something new, it's totally new and it takes up all of your attention. Like we have a finite amount of attention, right? And then yeah. the more you practice it, the more automated it gets. It only takes up this much of your attention. And then that's when you have all this space left over. That's when all those thoughts come in and they're like, mm-hmm. you suck and oh, look out for that part. And so as you're doing, you know, consciously filling it with something that's more productive or at least not unproductive right yeah, yeah. <laughs> is the key yeah. like making yeah. it so there's not space for that other stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and there are there are so many good techniques i do like the one leg thing i might try that the next time my tricks Either don't work that to me you know i i usually have them either it depends on the the student but i'll either have them walk in a like a figure eight very slowly which they also can't do and mess up at the same time or i'll talk at them I'm like, don't stop. I'm just going to talk to you. And it's like, you know, random things about the weather, you know, but they can't, they're like, I'm not used to being spoken to while play. And they, it's perfect every time, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm probably going to steal that one leg thing, but sorry, circling back. Um, I feel like we've got number one. I just feel like the, the human brain wants to be busy. You know, it needs things to do. We're, we're, a species that was developed to survive, which I think is super cool because then you see, you know, different like people who have strokes and all of a sudden are using a different part of their brain to perform the same task. I'm like, human body is awesome, man. <laughs> it's so but, but then we're, so we've got that going on where we're like primed to constantly do the next thing, which gets in our way. And we've also got this pressure on us, right? We're used to being watched. We're used to like, okay, we've got all this nonverbal communication going on and now we're sitting instead of just doing Mm -hmm. well, sitting and absorbing and learning and processing looks like nothing in case you're listening to the audio, nothing like dead panning. (laughs) It looks like nothing. It looks like you're not paying attention. And so then want to make sure that you're paying attention. So you you, you lean forward, you put, okay, well, I, I'm going to work really, really hard to make sure that you can see that I'm trying. And I'm like, okay, but you just clenched your chest and clenched your neck and collapsed in and hyper, fo- you know, like hyper engaged your face. Okay. Now try to take a full breath. Not going to happen. so i feel like we've kind of got these sorry i'm like off on a tangent here but i feel like we kind of got these double double whammies that tie into exactly what you're talking about it's like we are so in our way all the time yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. so 
I actually had, uh, going back to what you said about effortlessness and being able to breathe, yeah. um, I actually had a, a quick Tamani lesson with Hannah just so she could help explain what it is to me. And I was like, oh yes, please, because I don't get it, right? And I learned by doing best anyway. So, I mean, that was, it was great. And she had me do this exercise where you bounce on your feet, yeah. right? And yeah. so, because everything I do as a trainer, I'm constantly telling people, push through your heels, your heels, your heels, 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 because we do so much on our toes and then our knees hurt and then we can't hinge and then we kick it, 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 right? So for most of my clients, it's weird for them to do anything through their heels and their glutes and their et cetera, right? So I do that all day, every day. And I've kind of gone a little bit the opposite direction where I do too much of my heels and she had me come forward and then play. And I was like, oh, my sound, oh my gosh. And I'm like, <laughs> like, your sound is like silver. I was like, I know, it was just the most amazing sound. And it was so easy. I wasn't trying to do anything. Mm-hmm. It was it was perfect. Mm-hmm. I was like totally in awe of what just happened. And she tried to explain it to me. I'm like, I think sort of I get what's happening, but at the same time, I kind of don't care because this is amazing. <laughs> just yeah. like it's it's effortless. And I don't think I've sounded this good on this particular instrument ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that exactly cool. what I said. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was amazing. So you, guys think, never so you tried did like the, the bouncy where you're jumping up and down, right? And like feeling the, the bouncing yeah. on your feet kind of, yeah. Yeah. And I love that because that's, it's such a simple exercise. And it's like the first mm-hmm. thing that you learn, but it's so effective. <laughs> yes. And this is what yeah. I love about it. Actually, this ties into something that I wanted to talk about is like, we, it seems like people think about either we're tense or we're relaxed. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's such a thing as too much tension, but I also think that there's something like too much relax. That was so, such bad English. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> we know what you mean. You're too loose. You're too at ease. You know, but like we can be too relaxed mm-hmm. or too tense, but there's mm-hmm. actually, we want to be active, not too active, but active. Mm -hmm. Playing music is really active. Even singing Mm -hmm. is really active. And Mm -hmm. we need a lot of things to work. And I think we, a lot of people get into trouble because it's just drilled into you, isn't it? Your, your whole education, relax, you're tense, Mm -hmm. you should relax. And that that's the answer Mm -hmm. to everything. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just throws us under the bus a little bit because your body's actually meant to work together, like as one Mm -hmm whole. And if you try to relax too much, but then you Mm -hmm. still have to do something, then Mm -hmm. something is going to end up working too hard. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people get pain, right? Or just that it doesn't work as well as you would like and why you keep practicing, you know? And so it's, we talk a lot about this idea of tensegrity and the bouncy exercise that you did is like the kind of epitome of just an easy way to get tensegrity in your body. It's just like, almost like you were on a trampoline, just jumping up and down with as soft and bouncy of a landing as possible, because that's something that you intuitively know how to do. And your body will just react to sort of be in this slightly active bouncy state. And you tap into your fascia and getting this, mm-hmm. this kind of, this strong elasticity, this flexible strength that's kind of ready to take on whatever you need to do instead of being like, or just like too chill, too. Oh. <laughs> and then I'm supposed to play this really fast thing. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And I like that you brought that up too. Cause I mean, you know, being 
having, having been injured, it was always like, okay, well, tension is now a bad word. Like literally that's a, that's a, that's a dirty word, you know, and you don't ever use that. And then I go into strength and I'm like, oh, lifting and strength helps my playing. But then we're talking about the word tension and creating tension in very intentional, very specific ways, but not gripping. And then that, that kind of, to me says like, oh, well, we have a little bit of a problem with the language, Yes. you know, and the language is getting in our way because if I say create tension, you're like, hmm. I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I feel like you just unpacked that really well, where it's like, you want to be primed in the right spots to move fluidly with strength. You know, it's like how, um, in one of our, one of our podcasts, we came up with the, the term, um, Oh, dynamic that, isometrics or something dynamic like that isometrics. Um, where you're like holding so an isometric is where you hold you know yeah. but in music we're holding so I'm going to do flute because it's easier to see right you're holding but then you you can't just but you're not just holding you're not you're statue, you're, while you're holding you gotta, yeah. like <laughs> so dynamic so I feel like what you were talking thing. about yeah and I feel like what you were talking about Christine with that like what did you call it? elastic strength or something like that? Yeah. That's great. Tensegrity. Yeah. yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing. And this whole, I love that Timani talks a lot about fascia as well. And fascia yes. is not very well researched because it's a very new field because we only just figured out that it's there on purpose. <laughs> That's amazing. Really? I mean, when they used to do dissections, they would just scrape away the white stuff and throw it in the trash because they didn't know what it did. And now they're like, oh, that does a lot of cool stuff. You know, and so for anybody who doesn't know, it's all of your connective tissue, basically. And that includes mm -hmm. your tendons and your ligaments. Mm -hmm. And then it's all this connective tissue, like inside muscle fibers around, like inside muscle tissue, around mm -hmm. muscles, between muscles, mm -hmm around mm -hmm. your organs, like everything. If you took everywhere. out yeah. everything that's not fascia, you would have this perfectly, this perfect 3D model of you. One of the, um, one of the studies I saw, and don't quote me on this one, because it's been a couple of years since I saw it, but I think I saw one study suggesting that the fascia even permeated the bones. Yes, it does. Yeah, that's yeah, okay, good. good. Yeah. That I didn't know. Yeah. It actually uh -huh. permeates the bones? It goes I mean, through, your I believe. Our connective tissue when they like grow into the bone, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Good point. I, I didn't think of that. You don't think of that. Fascia yeah. is stronger than steel and elastic. Like how, that's just like, <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of distributing the tent. It's how we distribute the tension in the whole body kind of mm -hmm. by tapping into this because we, rather than having like some tension here where something is working rather we spread out the tension in the whole body so the whole is it's like your whole body becomes a team instead of you know like the shoulder team having to pull all the weight you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. also um what else did i want to say it's like when you can tap into this especially i mean for anyone that plays music with their hands which is most of us yeah you know if you and you have this huge sheet of fascia on your palm right and if you can tap into this elasticity in your movements, it's so much more efficient. You can use 70%. I, I can't remember exactly where I heard this. So don't quote me necessarily, but something like 70% of the movement can then be done by the fascia, the elasticity in the fascia, rather than muscle on, muscle on, muscle on, muscle on. 
which is also yeah. more efficient. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to go back to you're calling yourself the effortless musician. This this permeates a lot of what we're talking about, but how would you say that you go about doing that in the social space or in your in your <laughs> in your practice or in you know like well, just for the record, I'm not like the effortless musician. <laughs> I just you are today. <laughs> but I, I like the idea of wanting to become an effortless musician. I think we all can aspire to that. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, it's a whole lot of things. It's really, it's always, you know, just seeing where you are and then saying, okay, I think I can get better at this. So then you try it and then you see if it works, how it worked, whatever. And then you take that feedback and then you say, okay, what are, it's just this, you know, the normal learning feedback loop really. Mm. But it's like, now I just have so many more tools. It's not just knowing that I want it to sound a certain way or I want it to feel a certain way. I know with all the tools in my bag, like, okay, my sound isn't really projecting out there. That means that I'm probably like maybe too forward on my hips or I'm not really engaging through my glutes and getting like the whole connection down to the floor. And then I maybe mm-hmm. do an exercise for that. And then it just becomes a more efficient way to do all these things because I have more specific tools. Yes. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And it, it does that... Cool. Sorry. Go ahead. No. Uh, what I think is really cool is a, I, because I also do, I've studied a lot of performance psychology and I obviously mm-hmm. have neuroscience just back there somewhere. And a lot of performance psychology is top down, which is great. And there's so many great techniques and it works for a lot of people. But I also like to work bottom up mm-hmm. because it's, you know, it's a chicken egg thing. Like your mental state obviously can affect your body reflects your mental state, but I think it also goes the other way. You know, like Mm -hmm. you smile if you're happy, Mm -hmm. but if you Mm -hmm. also smile long enough, you will get happy, even if you weren't to begin with. Mm -hmm. And just kind of being able to go at it from both directions, I think is really cool. And and we use the term muscle memory. I think sometimes forgetting exactly what those, that term implies. I I don't think it was selected as a term um, thoughtlessly. You know, I think it was selected very intentionally. Um, and I know a lot of Eastern um, practices and religions, um, if you will, um, they talk about, uh, I'm, I may butcher the pronunciation, so forgive me, but <laughs> they talk about this, this concept of uh, samskara, I believe is the word, where um, you will hold emotional memories in a specific muscle and there's, there's some resources out there for emotional mapping of what's tied to which muscle. It's too detailed for this conversation, but um, there's a lot of stuff out there about how like, okay, if you had a traumatic experience, maybe you're holding it in, I don't know, your front delt or your lower back or, you know, a specific muscle. And that's why I know with a lot of really experienced massage therapists or um, anybody who manipulates the body in that way, when you dig in, sometimes you hit some emotional stuff. Oh yeah. You know? Um, and the same thing can be done on your own in practices. Um, I haven't done Tamani, but I've done similar. I, I don't want to say similar, but Alexander Feldenkrais, um, obviously working on my own, that kind of stuff, yogic practices too. Um, you'll 
find stuff. Like <laughs> if you if you dive into the body, you'll find emotional things. You're like, why am I thinking about this thing that happened to me in sixth grade? Like, you know? <laughs> totally, so, totally. And yeah. that's also just physically, you know, when you go through a highly stressful experience or a traumatic mm -hmm. experience, and very often you tighten up in your body and whatever hormones for the emotions you're experiencing mm -hmm. at that time, it can actually get trapped in yeah. those muscles. And then when you finally, maybe even if it's years later, you start to open that up, suddenly you find yourself crying. Like the first time I kind of tried to massage my pec minor, I was just I was crying uh -huh. out of nowhere. And there was like, there was a whole lot of stuff locked up in there, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not, I wasn't sad, but I was experiencing that emotion kind of because it gets processed on the way out. And it's, yeah. I think that's really important talking about body work as well, that this is a very natural way for it, that your body functions. It's completely yes. normal. Yeah. 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 It's a protective mechanism. And it's, like, like we were talking about earlier, we're built for survival. And so your body will put things that it thinks it needs somewhere else. If it's, you know, like I need to support you because you've just gone through something traumatic. So I'm going to put this here so you can handle that. <laughs> totally. And that's, I think that's also a really important point because so often when people, I mean, not even musicians, but especially musicians, when you get an injury or something like you think, oh, my body's against me or something. And, mm -hmm. you know, something, it's almost like the boogeyman jumped out and got you. Like there was no rhyme yeah. or reason, but there is, you know, yeah. there's always a reason and your body is actually doing the best that it can to protect you with what it yes. has, how it knows. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean you can't, you know, find ways to do better, but that's like, that's where your body is mm -hmm. and respecting that is really important. Yeah. And it gives you a way to work on it. Cause I know so many people kind of like, well, I'm just clearly not supposed to do this and they're out the door. And sometimes that's the right call. Um, just long-term, you know, like you're, you're going to be happier somewhere else and that's okay. But there's a lot of people who really get into this bad depression because they feel like, oh, well, I'm just not supposed to be here. And like, well, no, you are. It's just that something else is going on and that's okay. You just need to be able to deal with it and acknowledging that that's, okay and normal and probably what's going on is, is at least for me, it was empowering. Like, oh, well, if that's what's happening, I can do something about it. <laughs> and that's a lot of what happened to me because as I said, I never had an injury luckily, but I was completely 100% all in dedicated, you know, made yeah. my whole life around getting as good as I could, all the practice from every angle I could find to get good enough to like win my dream job, you know? Yeah. And I wasn't able to get, you know, I was getting better, but it wasn't like the, you know, getting up there. And then you start to think, oh, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. You know, mm -hmm. when other people can make this gorgeous sound and you can't, and you're just, well, because especially with sound on wind instruments, isn't that something yeah. that's like a bit mystical? <laughs> isn't mm -hmm. it? It's mm -hmm. like, oh, someone so has a beautiful soul. And that's mm -hmm. amazing. And that's great for them, but it doesn't mean that everyone else can't, but it's, I mean, especially for us because everything is internal mm -hmm. and we talk. So, um, what's the word like zoomed out about the anatomy that's working, you know, we, like we know very, most musicians know only very vaguely, like what body parts they're using to do what, 
and they know how it feels for them. And then they talk mm -hmm. about a feeling and then mm -hmm. actually somebody else having that feeling may or may not be the same biomechanics actually happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they wonder why they can't make that sound and mm -hmm. they think that there's something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. yep. And I think that that's not okay. I think we can do better. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're also not all made the same. You think about like some yeah. people have really high, the, the roof of your mouth is really high. Some people have less, some people have different nasal cavities, different sinuses, mm -hmm. all those resonation mm -hmm. chambers in your head contribute mm -hmm. to your sound, especially if you're um, not just a singer, but if you're a wind player. Yeah. And, and then, you know, if you, if you try to explain that to somebody and, and like you just said, well, this is how I feel it. You don't feel that. I mean, I, yeah. I do this with my clients all the time. Like, so you should feel this here. And I have two clients that are so like, they have no idea about their bodies. One client especially is like, if I don't feel pain, I don't feel it. She has no concept of if something in her body's working, unless it hurts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you feel that? I'm trying to figure that out. This is our regular conversation in our sessions. So she has no idea. You know, yeah. and I had another client yesterday, same thing. Sorry. No, it's, it's, no, it's okay. It's just like, you know, you don't, you don't have this, this, oh, not everybody has the same awareness because we're not all built the same, especially internally. Like you, like, mm -hmm. like you said. Yeah. But what's interesting is just because she doesn't feel it doesn't mean that nothing's happening. As exactly. Sure. Exactly. No. And this, um, interoception is like, we have exteroception, mm -hmm. like paying attention mm -hmm. to our external senses. And then interoception mm -hmm. is paying attention to internal sensory signals. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think it's only in the last 10 years that interoception has actually been researched a lot and it's kind of becoming a big thing, but it's something else, like anything else you can train it. Yeah. And in the beginning, you're not going to feel anything. And this mm -hmm. is something I think is really mm -hmm. interesting with Tumani actually, is that after every single exercise, you have to stop and close your eyes and see and check how it feels in your body. And especially if you do something where you do it on two sides, like you do one side and then you stop and you feel, and then you do the other side. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, the first time they don't feel anything, but mm -hmm. I still make them do it. <laughs> and it doesn't mean yeah. that nothing's happening, but it's yeah. like, this is kind of building into the system, training mm -hmm. your interoception because mm -hmm. in the beginning I didn't feel very much at all. Mm -hmm. But the more that I did it, then I started, it's like you walk into a pitch black room, right? Mm -hmm. And you have no idea what's in there. And you're like, mm -hmm. oh, there's nothing here. And then the more yeah. time you spend in there, then you start kind of, you're like, oh, there's a sofa here. And then maybe yeah. there's a table. Over. And then after a while, you can just like walk straight over and turn on the lamp. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And and it's the same thing too, if we think about, and I'm, I'm going to translate this a little bit because... I deal with the same thing, you know, with, with my strength training, it's always, I'm very much, we're going to start here. You're going to try, try to feel, you know, your internal pecs. You're going to try to feel your, like very specifically targeting these larger muscle groups that we're going to use in a second. Um, and most of the time you can't feel it right away and that's normal, but I'm going to try to translate it a little bit for, um, musicians who are listening, who should have some experience with, with this next part, but maybe not with the interoception. If you think about when you started in, you know, grade one band or whatever it was, or beginner orchestra or your first vocal lesson, you know, whatever it was, and your teacher is trying to just get you to make a sound and you go, okay, well, I made a sound. Maybe it was a squeak and you're like, okay, but I did it. And that's, you know, that's perfect and great. And now I can play the clarinet, you know, and 
here you are five or 10 years later going, oh, that's a beginner tone. That's an intermediate tone. Like this is, and I don't know what the difference is yet between the doctoral tone and the professional tone, but there's something, so, but you've spent how many years training your ears to be able to distinguish? It's the same thing with the interoception where it's like, you just have to live in it. And it helps to have somebody who knows what they're doing, knows how to teach you this sort of stuff, or at least have a little guidance on how to teach yourself which is really what I think instructors do, you know? <laughs> um, okay, well, we're gonna put you in this dark room. Okay, there's a sofa in here over there. Do you see the sofa? No, that's okay. We're gonna come back into the dark room tomorrow. There's still a sofa in there, you know? And like you said, after a while, Oh, there is a sofa. There's there. a sofa. <laughs> 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 you know? Yep. I just, I just have had a hard time with people, musicians who understand the ear training part, but who don't understand the, the interoception, the body training part where it's like, but, but I don't feel anything. I'm like, yes, but you didn't hear anything when you were a baby beginner student. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay to not feel anything today. Yeah. It's like, it's month one. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, you know, when you were learning how to tune, and your uh -huh. teacher would say you're out of tune. You're like, what do you mean? How yeah. am I out of tune with myself? What sounds great to me. Like, <laughs> like, it sounds good. But I'm playing an A. But it's an way. A. And it was a pretty A. Your <laughs> A is really sharp. What do you mean? I remember the, mm -hmm. that was college before I figured that out. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. And then you and then your then your eyes are open, your ears are open to, oh, I am sharp. Mm -hmm. And this this one is that and you you know, you take that time with the tuner and yeah. you figure it out. And then suddenly you have this whole new awareness. Mm -hmm. And I think it's worth noting that as with anything that you learn, the, like the more you train it, the more automatic it becomes, because I think a lot of people are afraid that when, if they start working with the body, then they'll have to only be focused on the body and they won't be able to focus on the music anymore. And, you know, when you learn something new, yes, it will take some of your conscious attention, but as you get better at it, your body, this incredible body that you have will absorb it. Yeah. And then it will, you know, we work by like you consciously learn something new and you focus on maybe exactly how you move these fingers here, whatever. But then mm -hmm. after a while, you can just focus on how you want it to sound mm -hmm. and it will come out, but you have to trust your body. Like we said in the yeah. beginning, you know, they, yep. this whole thing with internal and external focus, like they've looked at golfers who, you know, if they think about, okay, so I'm going to have my, my left shoulder here and then my right arm's going to do that. And or the ones who just focus on, oh, that ball's going to go in that hole. Mm -hmm. And they have a higher success rate. And yep. we have to do the same. Yep. And just making sure, but also making sure that all the pieces are in place for us to be able to do that. And that's, you know, when you get up to a higher level as a musician, that's kind of where it's really hard to find them <laughs> sometimes because so many things are so good. But then it's like, okay, but that like that little thing, you know, you're missing that little tool or that little piece, mm -hmm. or, you know, and just mm -hmm. filling in all those gaps. Because when you get to this level, they're just like tiny little sand grains, you know, mm -hmm. like when people are younger, it's more obvious what you need to work on, but then it gets, yeah. it's very finely tuned. Yeah. And, and can we mention for a second too, because this definitely threw me off when you're at that high level and so many things are good and you find the sand grain that's wrong and you have to take the time to adjust that, you're going to feel like you went back two years mm -hmm. and you're playing. <laughs> you're going to be like, 
I suck. I can't do anything. Um, (laughs) I just, I used to sound good. Now I sound bad because I can't do this one thing. (laughs) I'll go away. away. But if you want that next tier, like, man, you got to step back. Like there's some paths that only go so far and maybe you have to just kind of like back out a little bit and then (laughs) go this next way that goes a little further, you know, and maybe we do that a billion times, but that's the way out. <laughs> so when I, I was at, think of it sometimes yeah. as like you know that computer game mine is it mine no Minecraft the one with the little minefield where you have to like minesweeper like, minesweeper you know I think about it like if you you've just pick somewhere in the middle right and it opens up a bit yeah. and so then that's like your comfort zone right and then you mm-hmm. kind of gradually start expanding and expanding but then if you yeah. go too far outside then like you don't know how to connect it to the stuff that you already mm-hmm. know and that's mm-hmm. a minefield and you know yeah and that's that's a good one too because every once in a while you'll get like oh i cleared this corner and i know i can't click literally anywhere in here (laughs) i'm literally traipsing into a minefield like (laughs) i I know i have to go over here next and i have to just kind of (laughs) guess maybe it'll blow up in my face and the good thing about you know being a musician is that you're not gonna blow up (laughs) Exactly. You're not going to actually die. Like- <laughs> <laughs> that is a lie if someone has told you that. But that's the thing. Um, have you guys have read this book by Todd Hargrove, A Guide to Better Movement? Mm-mm. Really good. Great book. Recommend it. But he talks about how, like play as, yes. the, what did he call it? The It's something like the best solution that nature has found to educational mm-hmm. problems. Yes. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we... I heard it somewhere, but then I couldn't find the research about it. So I'm not sure, but I like the idea that when we learn through play, we learn Mm -hmm. 40 times faster than through work. I believe that. I would believe that too. And then that that just opens up like, whoa, I have not been very playful through a lot of my practice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of research out there on play and mental health and performance and education and learning there's you will like throw a stone out there you're going to hit something to do with that like and we we think again going back to that like oh but I have to pay attention I have to show that I'm working hard and like okay but now you're not playing and playing is permission to fail because you're just playing oh that that didn't work And he talks about like the best way to learn to get from A to B is to take 200 different paths from A Mm -hmm. to B, not Mm -hmm. always the straight line. And so often we think when we're playing music, you know, you're supposed to do it right. And so we practice as much as we can to be able to do it right. You know, this Mm -hmm. one way when actually you'd be better off practicing all kinds of different ways to get there. So then you, you kind of, it's like trying to play on a tightrope versus Mm -hmm trying to play kind of on this big open field where you can just, you know, where everywhere is, you've mapped it out. So you know mm-hmm. that it's safe instead of like, mm-hmm. oh God, the Verado has to be exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you want to be a teacher too, this is, this is another benefit to this that I was just sorry, like thinking about. If you want to be an instructor of any kind and you've got to demonstrate what the student did wrong and you've taken all 200 paths, you know exactly how to do what they did. I love that. I love being able to like, okay, here's what you did. (laughs) And I know because I did it a lot. (laughs) 
totally. Yeah. So, sorry, not to derail you. <laughs> Just... Knock me off the tightrope. I didn't mean to knock you off the tightrope. <laughs> I don't want to be on the tightrope in the first place, so that's okay. <laughs> Okay. So then I just, you know, like yanked you down onto the yard with me. That's what I did. Okay. Yeah, it was only Don't play. Like, you know, and that's the thing you're walking the tightrope and you think it's, you know, on top of the empire state building, but actually it's like here. And if you fall off, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where to go from there. I I was gonna, you know, try to maybe unpack a little bit of the mental health aspect that we did with and tie it into um, the one with Hillary, but I feel like we covered that too. Yeah, <laughs> um, we did more or less in a different way. In a different, in a different way. way, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this do you use extremely insightful, actually? Yeah. Do you use Tamani in your performance anxiety coaching, or do you? Well, I yeah. mean, like. Um, certainly aspects from it. And especially, I think that one of the best things I have from Tamani for performance anxiety has to do with proprioception, um, which is your, it's literally your body's GPS for anyone that hasn't heard that term before. <laughs> like literally yes. that your nervous system knows where all parts of you are. And then of course your contact with whatever surfaces, usually it's your feet against the floor but it might be mm -hmm. your sitting bones on the chair or your mm -hmm. hands on the instrument or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that your brain is constantly getting, I think it's like 2 billion bits of information from all of your sensory nerves, both like external and internal. And you're, we don't have the hardware to actually process it all. So we have filters, right? And so that mm -hmm. means your attention is a spotlight and where you decide to shine it matters for what you're mm -hmm. actually taking in. And for a variety of reasons about like how we live and how some people think that feet are gross or <laughs> we just put yep. them in shoes that make you not be yep. able to feel anything. You know, yep. if you're not spending a lot of time barefoot, you probably don't have a good sense of your feet. And I mean, my, one of my favorite Tamani exercises is starts out with just a foot massage and like just feeling your feet and waking that up. And then when you stand, like mm -hmm. you haven't done any exercise, you haven't like lifted anything, you haven't necessarily done anything, but your body then knows, boom, I am on this floor, this is flat, this is safe. Because if you're mm -hmm. not getting enough of that information then your nervous system doesn't know for sure that it's safe, even though it's probably mm -hmm. safe. But as you, as you were saying, their body is designed to keep you alive. Mm -hmm. And if it's not sure, then you know, number one, you're going to be always a bit in fight flight, which means number mm -hmm. two, if you're then on stage, like you are not going to be able to relax the way that you want to. And especially up here. Yeah. And so just using proprioception, like feeling the ground, feeling the chair, really keying into those sensations. And also like really feeling the bones, you know, because those are solid and they, and that's really clear information for your nervous system. So literally just feeling your body mm -hmm. is one of the best tricks that I've found for performance anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's good. And I like that you talked about Ava would say that all the time. The, yeah. I'm sorry. That's the flute teacher there. She would say, do you feel your feet? I mean, constantly, do you feel your feet? Because yeah. are you, are yeah. you up in your head space or are you mm -hmm. aware of yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I love that you talked about the feet. Cause I mean, that's, I'm slowly bringing my people into 
not grumbling when I say, okay, get your shoes off. <laughs> we do that a lot. Like, okay, get your shoes off. Time to get your shoes off, you know? And because um, I mean, I, I barefoot all the time, you know, habitually mm-hmm. unshod as a child. Um, I never had more problems than when I started wearing real shoes all the time. And I currently don't do that. I wear fake shoes that look real. Like, (laughs) I really do. Like, I've gone out of my way to find ones that, like, if I want to, you know, if my foot is here and I want to do this with my toes, I can. Like, (laughs) the shoe will bend. I only Um, have barefoot shoes, actually. Oh, yeah. Same. Yeah. Barefoot brand or barefoot style or both? Both. Okay. Well, barefoot, is that a brand? It is brand. Spelled like the animal. (laughs) barefoot style yeah okay okay it's just sorry i'm like nerdy about this (laughs) yeah and like but it it takes time for people who grew up in shoes to like oh well now i have to feel my feet and like oh they do have like and like you were saying fight or flight but trying to get people to go no 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 just just come out of your shoes and do this yeah. They just they look at you like, I know. but what if I drop something on my toes? I'm like, your shoe's not going to save you. I hate to break <laughs> it to you. Your shoe is not like, no. and especially in a gym setting, like, okay, you're about to lift like a hundred some odd pounds. You think your thin little shoe is going to save you? It's not. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's really funny. And I think the thing, I mean, you're really lucky that you grew up not wearing shoes because I grew up yeah. wearing shoes like in yeah. the house until they went to bed and my Ooh. feet just, yeah, it's, it's been yeah. its own journey. Let's just say that yeah. yeah, getting, getting my feet to be more alive, but I think it's amazing because we have fun fact, 25% of the joints in your body are in your feet and ankles. I believe that you have so many joints there that you are probably not using mm-hmm. and that if you are, they're giving your nervous system tons of great information about like, yeah, I'm in a really safe space, you know, and I'm really stable and then it's easy to be Mm -hmm. grounded. Mm -hmm. And it's also just, again, with the interoception, even if you take your feet off, if you're not used to feeling your feet, Mm -hmm. you might be like, yeah, I feel my feet. I feel that I have feet, but there's a difference between like feeling your feet and knowing there's a sofa there, but not seeing it. But then like Mm -hmm. feeling your feet, like I know where the light is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then that's like, that's a different kind of grounding and that's something you can train. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people start out for, for me, it's like feeling your feet. And if you, you're listening to the audio, I'm putting my hand together very much like a block and then feeling your feet. (laughs) I'm wiggling my fingers now, if you're listening to the audio, (laughs) Um, because the hands and the feet are very similar and how they're laid out. You know, we've got all, like you said, all those joints, all that movement and so much research out there on how you walk. It's direct feedback into your brain as to which um, nervous, which stage of the nervous system cycle you should be in. Um, So if you're constantly unstable, if you're on these big squishy shoes and you're constantly unstable or they're pushing you one direction or the other, you're going to be in fight or flight because your feet are primed then to put you in a basic reaction mode, much the same way if you smile, you come out, you know, like you end up happy, even if you're mad, if your feet are in the position where it's like, okay, you're about to fight something, Mm -hmm. 
you're gonna probably be pretty grumpy and pretty aggressive if you're, <laughs> you're in the position of like oh my god we're about to run away you're probably gonna be really anxious and like oh my god i'm gonna die all the time mm-hmm. yeah barefoot training so love it because this is the you know the the bottom up way that are mm-hmm. like because so many people like to think that their brain is just this computer and their body is just mm-hmm. this vessel and then you know they wonder why their body won't do what they want it to do yeah and i don't think that's that strange <laughs> i think it's great. Not so great. <laughs> no you know? no it's, it's there's so much to gain from working this way. Yeah. And it's just, it's like going from having your hands tied behind your back to suddenly just being kind of at full, full power, you know, Mm -hmm. when you actually can get your body to work for you. Yeah. And that's when you start to discover all the effortlessness that actually was there all along. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool. I, that, I find that really empowering. I think that's mm-hmm. really important for people to know actually. Yeah. 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 Your body is actually there to support you. <laughs> not, like, you, you can, right. You can work with your body mm-hmm. at the same time as it's trying to help you. And even if it's not going well right now, your body does think it's trying to help you. <laughs> And if you keep experiencing that, like keep looking for answers, you know, Mm -hmm. it took me a long time before I found something that really clicked for me. And I'm so grateful because then it was just like, oh my God, all of this makes sense. Like someone could explain to me why I couldn't make the sound I wanted to, why, Mm -hmm. you know, I needed to breathe more often, why I couldn't get to that level of virtuosity, blah, blah, blah. And then you can do something about it. It's so empowering instead of just... I guess I'm not talented. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> Some special people have like the talent goggles and they can look at people and, you know, decide who's talented. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> In case no. anyone oh. was in doubt. There are a lot of really gifted people out there who just happen to have a stumbling block. And because of it, the one little stunt or the, you know, like one or two little stumbling blocks, like, oh, well, this person is just better than me and they're going to win this job because they're better than me and they're supposed to be a performer. And I'm, mm. you have a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. You just got to get rid of it. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they're more talented than you. It means that they're lucky not to have that stumbling block, but they probably have something else going on that you just don't see. Yeah. And that, this is what I love. Again, I, I have a lot of reasons why I love Tumani, but that they're like, we tend to think that just by looking at someone, you can't tell how they sound, but you can. I mean, like we don't see, you kind of have to put on different glasses and see in a different way. And that now we're living in a time actually, okay, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hang on, back up, get in order. Um, (laughs) like you have this amazing body with lots of different parts that do lots of different things. And depending on what function you're trying to achieve, your body has different, like does different things to sort of achieve those functions. And for playing music specifically, we don't necessarily need like full force, actually almost ever, because you might break your instrument, right? 
but we need those, you know, those slow twitch, the, the marathon muscles, most of, mostly working so that the other ones can kind of relax. Mm-hmm. And nobody goes to the gym to train like, you know, the, the not sexy muscles that no one's heard yeah. of that are <laughs> doing, you know, that thankless job, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, everybody mm-hmm. goes to train like their quads and their pecs and, and those are great. And I, you know, it's amazing to be strong and it mm-hmm. feels really good to be strong. And I think that we should be able to do all the things with our body, but we have to be able to differentiate as well. And we're living in this time now where we're using our bodies differently than we did even 20 years ago, but definitely Mm -hmm. 50 years ago or something like that. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. we're learning from these people who are much our senior, who have had kind of a movement diet that means that they have sort of a baseline of Mm -hmm. this like, and you know, stabilizing these stabilizing structures in their body, this way of using their body that- gives them a head start and maybe made them seem more talented for this particular function of playing music. And now a lot of us aren't living like that. You know, we're not like lifting as many heavy things. You know, you have Mm -hmm. all these things in the kitchen that will chop your food for you. So you don't even Mm -hmm. have to go like this. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're driving places or just being at home now. Yeah. (laughs) We've been sitting longer from a younger age. (laughs) I'm really concerned about especially now during this pandemic that we've lost a lot of these kind of light load movements that were Mm -hmm. actually keeping us in a certain kind of shape for particularly playing music that we haven't lost and that we weren't conscious that affected us in any way. Yeah. And even, even between, um, like my generation, I think we're all in the same generation, <laughs> uh, but our generation to my, my new like freshman college students over the last couple of years who grew up with phones where I didn't, and they grew up with texting where I didn't. And they all come to me now with this forward shoulder roll. Like mm-hmm. I, we already, we already had that bad because we were like, well, we've been typing and we've been sitting at desks and we've been like, oh, more school, you know? But they've got this on top of that, mm-hmm. you know, where they're in that phone focused position. And it's just, it's even harder now to try to get them to open up because they've never been opened up before. They've never, you know, when, when all you do is this versus, you know, when I was, I was growing up, it was like, okay, well now it's time to go outside and play. And now it's time to do this. And you're like, okay, well, you want to research something great. You're going to the library and picking up books. You know, you're not yep. Googling you're it not on Googling your cell phone. Like, <laughs> 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 um, and it's, it's kind of sad in a lot of ways. Um, but that's kind of been, you know, just observing photographs of people over time there's a lot of that low, like, I don't want to say mindless, but day-to-day stuff, day-to-day tasks that get you baseline strength that we don't do anymore. And the younger generations do even less than we do. Yeah. It's scary. <laughs> so that's why it's really important that we have ways that we all have these concrete tools yeah. to, to work with, to kind of maintain that because when mm-hmm. you don't have that then it's even more likely that you'll be injured and it's even more yes. likely that you even if you don't get injured you might not be able to play the way that you want to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you might mm-hmm. just think there's something wrong with you and there's not right right <laughs> <laughs> you're fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh.
All right. That's we are a society of not moving, basically. Yeah. Yes. Every new technology like finds ways for us to move less. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can get your food delivered to your door right. by just like pushing some buttons pushing on the buttons. Oh, right. 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 Yeah. We'll we'll leave that food. Just, I, I was about to go down a rabbit hole. We don't need to go down today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, I think, I think, are we at a good, we need anything, anything else to discuss or should we wrap it up here? I think we're good. I mean, okay. it, it feels uh, like a stopping point to me. So like, yeah. tell me if I'm like, no, let's, <laughs> no, I mean, if there's something else you wanted to cover, but I mean, like, I'm, I, where can people find out more about you, more about Tamani, more about the things you talked about? People can find me at effortlessmusician.com. And they can email me at hello at effortlessmusician.com. Uh, I'm currently not on social. Okay. So you okay. actually have to go to my website. Uh, <gasps> I know. <laughs> I might come back, but you know, I want to make sure I'm focusing on the important stuff before I yeah. spend a lot of time there. So yeah, yeah whenever whenever this airs, that's the best way to to find out what I'm what I'm doing. Yeah. All right. And how does someone go about finding a Tamani teacher? Because as I, as Hannah told me, like you were the first person in the U.S. to be certified in Tamani, and I'm not in the U.S. So how do people find a teacher? Or I mean, do you do online? Yeah. What? What? Oh, that's actually a really good thing to talk about, actually, because I take it for granted now that you can do Tamani online, uh, but that's not true for a lot of somatic methods, actually. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yes, Tamani works. I would say like. 90 plus percent as well online. And we actually just did a research study on the effectiveness of Timani generally, but also because um, Oslo was sort of on lockdown. So we couldn't actually do it live. So we had to do it online. So then we added a layer to the study of how did this actually work online? And the results were very positive. And that hopefully will be published early next year. It's She's submitting it to the, uh, what's it called? This ISPS conference, you know, it's uh, it's like International Symposium of Performance Science. Um, I think it's going to be in Montreal in October. Okay. Yeah, but so cool. Tamani lessons work great online, and since I think it's me and Hannah in LA, and then there's an American named Maria Hamburger who's in uh, the DC area teaching mm-hmm. Tamani. I was the first American one and I'm living in Sweden, but I am very happy to teach online. And if you go on to the, let's see, the website for the, the institute, I think it's just timani.no, N-O for Norway. There is a teacher finder on there as well. Can you just spell Timani real quick for people who may not know? Very good. Uh, it's like timpani, but without the P. So T-I-M-A-N-I dot N-O. Perfect. All right. Great. That's really great information. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, we'll put that up in the show notes for sure. And uh, y'all reach out to Christine because she's got a lot of great information to share as we heard today. Yes. Yes. This was, this was another good one. (laughs) It's a really good one. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for making the time to come join us today. It was really great. My pleasure. Really. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you for joining us, and we will see you later. Have a 
tuned and strong day. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.